Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I mean, he was like a fucking excited dog. Like, just just happy to be there. McGinn and Bundia run over the ball and fucking doggy comes bounding in. Well, what are we doing, guys? Running over the ball? Is it all? Oh, that looks like fun. Oh, you guys are the best. No, where are you going? You're the last one. You have to hit it. That's a bad doggy. <laughs> this is Paul McGrath. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. That morning sky gave me a look. So I left while you were sleeping. That's all it took. And that <laughs> Well. Well, 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 well. Three points on the road. Three wins in a row, three back-to-back clean sheets, three delightful goals, and all are three against Leeds. Different manager, same old porous shite rearguard. Plus three goal difference into the top half of the table. Three LAs belting out from the Ellen Road stand as the cocky home fans long disappear into the Leeds night. Three cheers for Philip Coutinho just because he's goddamn sensational. And look at this. You haven't even had to wait three days for your podcast this time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no fucking way. Let's talk about how good Steven Gerrard's Aston Villa are, Liam. Yeah, they were absolutely incredible. It was such a a good result. And that's three really good results in a row, I would say. And for Leeds United, as it turns out, if your players that are shite, then changing your manager won't have the desired effect. Especially... (laughs) If you're going to change to the type of fellow that if you asked him what time it was, he'd start telling you how to build a clock. <laughs> yeah, he's a deep thinker. He thinks on different levels than we do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the first fucking first big job he had, he was sacked after four months. I mean, to be fair, Nagel's man is a difficult person to follow, but I'm sure he'll have no baller stepping into club legend and footballing icon Marcello Bielsa's shoes. And this lad spent the last seven years employed by an energy drinks company and it looked like he brought a few fucking freebies with him to Ellen Road because <laughs> Leeds were an anxious wreck. I couldn't believe it. They had no bounce at all. Yeah. And caffeine is a laxative and it seemed to be having that effect on Leeds. They were so jittery and messy. <laughs> In the first half, we were matching them a bit. We were bringing ourselves down to their level. It was like two drunks fighting over a battered sausage at two in the morning. And neither team could get a grip of it. It was pretty exciting, but you'd prefer to have a bit of quality as well. I mean, if the best thing about the night out is the two pissheads fighting, then you need new friends. <laughs> yeah, and I would say, in fairness to Aston Villa, they just didn't sink fully down to Leeds' level because that was that was sort of Villa in your very worst days, wasn't it? Like the, the Leeds players were just their touch was awful so many times they could like. You know, they should have just taken a touch and they couldn't keep it in play. They let it run under their legs. It was too heavy. They they often just cleared it out to a Villa player that was just strangling them and keeping them in. Villa were set up really well, obviously, but they were just under pressure from the word go and they never once, they had a good 20-minute spell after the break, but they never really 
took control of themselves more than just a game as well. They didn't seem to get themselves under any sort of control. Yeah, no, and uh, to to be honest, I, they don't have the players to do it. They can't get themselves under control. Yeah. And Villa, Villa were good after they got their their goal in the first half and then their goal in their second half. And Leeds, to be fair to them, did have a bit of pressure, but it was going nowhere. Martinez caught a few crosses. That was it. It was fucking yeah. pathetic from Leeds and solid enough from Villa. Yeah, like we're going to have another stacked Rossenthal award today, but it's all Villa nomination. I don't have one Leeds nomination this time, and I think the best chance they had was in that first half. It was nil nil. Was it Rodrigo or Rafinha? Just sort of poked it out wide to try to go to the near post. Didn't really have a side of goals. Very narrow angle. They gotten in past Mings and uh, just a very tame effort out. It was one of those ones where it cuts to the manager, the new manager. Who it's such a bad habit for any manager. Forget about him being new. I hate. Nothing as much as I hate a manager turning around to the crowd, shaking his head, already sort of <laughs> wanting them to understand what can I do? I've done it. I've gotten them into that position by some mistake or bad defending. <laughs> I've gotten them into a position where if he scores the most fantastic goal of all time, he'll score. But uh, instead, he just poked it out, and it wasn't really a half chance, to be honest. Yeah, it wasn't a half chance, Andy was offside as well. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> but what do you want Morse to do about that, Conor? He's done everything he can. <laughs> well, let's talk about some actual goals. Aston Villa got three of them. First one, some lovely play. I thought Ings was really good today. Really, really tidy, really crisp. He was a neat player today. Like, nothing was coming off him. He sort of had the ball under control very early. He was the opposite. He was the antithesis of Leeds today. But, uh... <laughs> Him and Dinya, a bit of a combination down the left-hand side. Lovely header from, from Ings. They set Dinya away. The ball gets crossed. Watkins has a really nice run. It's sharp. He's appealing. He's never going to get it, but he did look like he was impeded. Then Matt Cash is just rapid going to pick it up, pick up the scraps. He was free again. Like This is the problem for teams. They try to they try to congest things against Villa. They try to close it down the middle of the space. You know, with Coutinho, and they're just leaving that space for Matt Cash, who is... We're going to talk about him a little bit later, but he's ripping them apart. And what can you do? You can't congest the middle and also watch Matt Cash. And he picks up that loose ball. It's another assist. It's another assist for this man who people were once criticizing his numbers, even when he was already fantastic. And uh, it's another goal for Coutinho. Gets pretty lucky, but he's there, keeps it down, keeps it on target. And you get your luck, don't you? <laughs> yeah, like you're right. It's an amazing piece of interplay from Ings and Dina. I mean, it's a simple one-two, you know, at the macro level, but they both do incredibly well to get the ball to each yeah. other, and it's a gorgeous cross. And Watkins is definitely fouled. I mean, Thierpo throws his hands in the air to say he didn't do it, which just says he did it. I mean, how how has nobody coached the player to not look guilty yet? I mean, of all the cheating, scummy moves that have infiltrated the game, nobody has thought to say to a centre-half, don't do an impression of Shaggy. <laughs> Saw the marks on my shoulder, it wasn't me. Caught me on camera, it wasn't me. Like, it's fucking ridiculous. As soon as he puts his hands up like that, yeah, it's definitely a penalty. What are you doing, ref? Hurry up. It's great from Cash to get in the end of it and take the, do the referee's job for him. And of course, Matty Cash gets in the end of it. And amazingly and pretty admiringly, Centre forward Danny Ings dummies across when he's in the middle of the box to leave it to leave it for a player in a better position, and luckily for both Ings and Philip Coutinho, Strook gives Phil a hand. I I actually think the best way of not looking guilty came about through a very uh, real moment of innocence in the second half. I thought John McGinn was already in a yellow card. He was really ramping up the intensity at the start of that second half, when Villa needed it, in fairness to him, but he sort of playing on the edge, a few like rough challenges, and again, I think they needed it, but you were sort of just a bit concerned at that stage, and I thought it had come, I thought, oh God, he's in trouble here now, and he just turned around, high five Chambers, and immediately <laughs> I thought, wow, that's how you do it, like you, know, you just, you, you get a high five from your teammates, you have to say, what a fucking tackle for me, <laughs> <laughs> Turns out it was a great tackle. He looked innocent because he was innocent. But that's the way to do it. If anybody wants to take notes, turn around, get the high five, applaud. Like maybe do the Tyrone Mings approach. Like you know, when you make the mistake, give the thumbs up, chew the gum. 
just act like nothing happened. If you foul somebody, just get back into position and, and ignore it. Don't turn around looking at the ref as if to say, oh, no, you're not going to book me, are you? Because then the ref will start thinking, should I be booking him? Don't put that thought into his head. He's already thinking about this anyway. Don't reinforce it. Yeah, well, 2-0. 2-0. Brilliant ball. Again, we're talking about teams trying to congest it. Villa on the left, they were switching the play so well all day. Danny Ings just picks it out like, finds Matt Cash inside the touch like the, the control of that football the composure the the cool head to just come back inside them like I was sort of thinking why didn't you hit that it was it was sitting up so perfectly for you on your right why did you not just hit it he comes in gets it on his left and then he goes for a near post which all the space was on the other side and it's a bit more of a difficult angle hitting that with your instep and trying to curl it inside the post keep it away from the keeper as well instead he just fucking lashes it it was a jacob ramsey style finish except he didn't roof it but it was just hit with pure purpose and he puts it into the bottom corner and like let's be honest right the chant is maddie cash the polish cafu i mean did cafu really have this consistent goal threat that Matt cash is having right now <laughs> Let's talk about this seriously. Like this, this, this song is great for Cafu. Mad Cash right now, fucking <laughs> unstoppable. What fucking age are you? You're, you're going very fucking early on this. Matt Cash is the best right back of our lifetimes. I mean, Jesus Christ, he's having a good season. But let's not go fucking mental. There's no need to push this. We don't, need to, we don't need to rush it. Let's see what Matt Cash does over the next five years. Because you know what? Cafu did what Matt Cash is doing now for 20 years. For fuck's sake. <laughs> I, I'm sort of a few more games away from criticising Gareth Southgate with Matt Cash. <laughs> He's let this boy go. What a fucking plug. Another, another black mark on Gareth Southgate's book for me. But what do you think of the goal? I think this was everything you need to know about how to play football among goal. Like, if you want to play football well, the energy and the willingness from Cash to get into the back post again, the vision and execution from Mings, like, there's nothing better than someone just picking out a pass like that and drilling it about eight foot off the ground straight yeah. to the player he's passing it to. The touch and cat and and the composure from Cash that you've already talked about, absolutely incredible. And the other thing you need to know is how not to defend. I mean, it's it's dreadful from Leeds to leave Cash with that much space, particularly if they're not going to put any pressure on Ings. I mean, you can't just leave that whole side of the pitch free and also not pressurise the ball on the other side. Because Danny Ings is an England international. He can play a fucking pass to a man who's free at the back post. You have to get on his foot if that's your game plan. Like Villa did with Southampton last week. Yeah. Yeah, it sort of, Leeds weren't set up well and they weren't tuned in either. It is strange, like for their first home game with a new manager, like you set a bounce earlier, like they didn't, they didn't have any of that, like they didn't have a skip in their step, they didn't have a rocket up the rushes. Remember the panic we had going into Goodison Park because just because Duncan Ferguson was there, you knew that they were, they were all going to be up for it and they were up for it at the very least, they were up for it, that was it, like they were up for it just to just to put the studs up on people, but like at least they had that. Leeds just they were very flat, very stupid, and they were rightly ripped apart. Like, that's probably the most heartening thing. It's like a team like that presented themselves like that, and Villa just punished them 3-0 emphatically away win. Let's go home. Yeah, same as last week. It's great that we're just now beating these teams who are asking to be beaten. 3-0. Callum Chambers, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> what, is, what is happening? Yeah, I never thought I would say this, but who needs Amar El Ghazi? <laughs> right enough, it was like the Crystal Palace finish. <laughs> unbelievable, it's exactly the same as it. The ignorance and everything. I mean, the touch from Mings is perfect to just set it up for Chambers, because Big Ty knows what Callum is capable of, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> apparently you don't need to ask him twice to whip one into the far top corner like, I, I think Callum Chambers touched the ball twice in that game once to whip it out to Dinia 70 yards and once to whip it into the top corner and I'm not sure if he touched the ball more than once in Southampton or to play the most outrageous pass we've seen this season 
<laughs> Honestly, yeah, the most outrageous pass we've seen this season to completely open up a defence, a packed low block defence, and the most outrageous finish we've seen this season, the bend on that finish was ridiculous. Like, just the arc of that ball, Melier was planted to the spot, everybody looking at it hopelessly, and Callum Chambers running away going, yeah, like, like, like Philip Coutinho knew that Callum Chambers will pick him up. <laughs> That, that top corner knew Callum Chambers would pick it out. They should actually, they should actually move the postage stamp position in honor of that finish because it should, <laughs> it should no longer be in the top right corner. It should be in the top left corner as a homage to Callum Chambers because that finish was crazy. And this boy, it, like, what does he have in his locker? What was he hiding up his sleeve all this time? And like Matt on Twitter at the Villa podcast, if you ever want to get in touch with us, he said. Is Chambers the best Brazilian in the team? <laughs> <laughs> it is a question. How much longer can these boys overlook him? <laughs> he actually ran away like Cristiano Ronaldo. He had that look in his face yeah. as if to say, this is what I do. <laughs> it's like, is it? Jesus Christ, Callum. What a fucking steal. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, unbelievable goal. Unbelievable finish. Um, yeah, nice touch for Mings as well. Dinho whipped in the free. Mings gets it under control. He probably would have been offside if Leeds didn't head it back out. Um, yeah. Reacts to it well, so he's reacting to a deflected header. Um, gets it under control, rolls it out. Like, do the rest, Callum. We know what you got. Right, <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, only other thing I have for the top of the show, quick Leeds question, but has Luke Alien ever made a clean tackle in his life? Uh, no, I don't think so, to be honest. <laughs> I don't think so. I think it partly because he's clumsy and he has terrible footwork. Uh, it's partly because he sort of has that ostentatious way about him, you know, where he spends every playing minute trying to appear hard rather than actually just being hard. Like, I, I can't remember him ever just winning the ball off somebody. Like, he's, ne- he's never actually just just coming and left a bit on someone. He leaves his whole self on him. I'd say his studs have been planted on football boots more times than Melee's passes have been planted into the fucking stand. <laughs> Yeah, that's fucking melee guy, some crack, isn't he? I mean, that's a corner, a throw-in, and a through ball to our centre-forward he's given us in the last two games. <laughs> he's a mess, like he is. Like, was he, what was he bought for? Was he bought, like, I feel sorry for him, like, the amount of goals you can see, considering the amount of shots he's been facing, but um, was he bought for good footwork, good passing? Like, I, I'm not sure exactly what it was he was supposed to bring. I actually saw one of those shit tweets that somebody put out saying, "Where would this?" I think Gary Lineker retweeted, "Where would this? Um, where would this eleven finish in the Premier League?" And it was just all goalkeepers and the amount of people underneath it that were talking about Melee being left out. So it obviously makes no sense. This guy must be fucking unbelievable. Whenever I'm not watching him, he's the reverse Dwight Gale. <laughs> Yeah, Dwight Gale famously should be playing for Real Madrid based on every time we watch him play. (laughs) (laughs) He's never not scored a goal any time I've seen him play. And yeah, Melier is the exact opposite. Only only downside of a 3-0 away win in Leeds, you know, on a midweek win as well, it's a game in hand, you just win at the weekend, you're putting together a run here now against good opposition, as you say. It's good results anyway, regardless of the performance. I don't like when you score three goals and two of them are from defenders. Is that, <laughs> is, is that a drawback? Like it just suggests it suggests on untoward. <laughs> you, know, like you just want your two strikers scoring there just to really hammer home the domination. Two defenders scoring, I don't know. It just you know somebody could look at that and be like, ah, well, sure. Look, anything could have happened up there on Thursday night. Yeah, but like you, it's not two ordinary defenders. It's the greatest right back of all time, <laughs> and somebody who plays in the number ten position from centre half. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll leave me complaints for WhatsApp winges. See you in a minute. <laughs> WhatsApp winges. Let's go. Is that Tyrone Mings telling people to calm down? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh my God, like there was one, in fairness, it was a dodgy enough pass, but he made a meal out of trying to get it under control. You're listening to the Leeds fans as well. He'd do the big build-up cheer for when the ball was coming near him and he just about got a 10 midfielder who had a header on. Then he tells everyone to calm down. Like, then he comes in, absolutely minces Dan James 
on the like it's just outside the box as well Dan it's coming down the the right hand side for Leeds Mings just lined up the foul from God knows how long away and turns around he's pretending to give a thumbs up this time like, there's nobody <laughs> there's nobody receiving that thumb like he's sort of pretending like yeah don't worry I'll sort that out for you I've taken the yellow there, there was Dan James running towards the corner and you taking a yellow card and giving them a free kick at the edge of the box <laughs> and uh, the only other thing I have to say on Mings he wasn't bad outside the list but um yeah, weeks wages for him though for his find and touch habit. It happened in the third minute, and I thought, here we go. Like this is this is going to be one of those days, especially with the Leeds fans sort of egging him on. I thought they were going to get inside his head. He um, yeah, it was just it was just a classic one between him and Dinya where Dinya goes for a run and, and Mings just opts for the simple five yard pass out for a throw instead <laughs> of trying to pick out Dinya. Weeks wages, surely the fucking months wages. He did it about three or four times, and there was one. <laughs> There's one as well where he just took the weight off a long ball over the top and heads it back into his own D, showing Leeds what they've been missing from fucking Patrick Bamford's injury. Unbelievable. But the, the worst the worst thing about that was that Leeds seemed to be targeting and Mings let them let himself be targeted as yeah. well. I mean, the, yeah, they calm down. Like that came not long after James, Daniel James, put him on his arse. Yeah. And he's shouting, calm down. Like, there must be a big screen at Ellen Road. I can only assume he was talking to himself. But it didn't fucking work. Like, going chasing James out into the corner to scythe him down was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Just let Daniel James run out of play. That's just, <laughs> Daniel James can't turn now. He's going in that direction. He's going towards the corner flag. It should only be the assistant referee who's worried here in case yeah. Daniel James runs into him. Yeah. Daniel James hasn't gotten the graphic updates on his computer game. Like he still only runs <laughs> in straight lines. Like he has to just like if you want him to turn, he needs more space than that. Um yeah, it was weird because he was actually delaying I think he was doing it on purpose then as well. He was delaying his clearance of the ball. Trying to show that he wasn't under pressure or wasn't panicked or put yeah. off by the crowd. And that was just bringing people into him like Daniel James to clash him or like somebody to block it or then Mings having his own space closed down and hitting out of play. Yeah, like, see, this is it. Like, he finds touch that often that I'm only picking out the ones that he seems to do deliberately now. <laughs> uh, second WhatsApp one Can this ref get the fuck out of the way? <laughs> Danny on Twitter got in touch to say, Can we sign this ref to play defensive midfield? <laughs> Honestly, he was that effective like so many times. I mean, it was twice, I think, but twice in quick succession. He was blocking these good villa balls, trying to go straight through the heart of the Leeds midfield. Like, sort your position, all right? We're attacking. You're standing in the middle of the pitch, in the way, in the direction we're going. Yeah, it was incredible. But I don't think he was that good at breaking up play. I mean, I think I think he was only there to make sure nobody picked up the ball. <laughs> Everything else was fine, apparently. Like, there was one stage in the first half. When the Leeds fans gave him an ironic cheer, I mean, I'm surprised it wasn't just a gasp of disbelief. Like, he was reffing a different sport at times. The mm. players never understood it, though, and he just kept falling over, getting tripped, being pulled, being pushed, and looking up at the ref from the ground as if they expected him to give a fuck. He didn't. <laughs> I, I remember we had our sports day on the pitch behind our school, and pitch is a very kind description. And the sprint starts, and I'm out of the traps of all the... All the determination of someone that hasn't learned he's not fast yet. And I roll my ankle in a divot about five minutes later. Limp off to the side, crying. I mean, it was fucking agony. It never happened before. It was the first of many times I rolled my ankle. See me man in the crowd. Looks down at me. I grow up, Liam. <laughs> I was fucking, fucking six years old. Couldn't give a fuck. And how Ollie Watkins stayed on the pitch as well was hilarious. I mean, he's yeah. got crunching in above the ankle. Our fucking ma must have been the VAR. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about Watkins in the what the fuck uh, moment because it probably is the clear winner. But uh, yeah, that ref was like, sort your position and get out of the way. Let us let us let the boys play. Third WhatsApp one, you're not going to like this one. Remember last year, I started to panic early as well. I couldn't even enjoy the good run we were on because I got it into my head that we need to get into the Champions League if we want to keep Grealish. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was like, it's, it's now or never. And yeah, it turns out I was right. But um, I wonder, no, look, it doesn't matter. I was going to say, I wonder what he have left if we got Champions League. Um, <laughs> <laughs> forget about it. 
And yeah, so I had that panic, like, you know, the whole time, Villa need to do better, need to win, they need to win. This next WhatsApp one, everybody needs to up their fucking game if they want to play with Coutinho. (laughs) (laughs) This isn't about keeping Coutinho, we'll talk about that later, but this is... Ah, just, just come on, lad. Like talking about growing up. Let's let's grow up. Even even Ramsey, you know how much we love him. Like just when he's not as tight on the ball, some occasions, you know, it's getting away from him. Other players losing it unnecessarily when Coutinho never would. I was just like, come on, like let's everybody do what he's doing. Like it's way it's way better. Like he's he's at that Man City level, you know, where everything's just down. It's tight. It's under control. Doesn't matter what the situation is. It doesn't matter what sort of ball you play him. He'll control. He'll move out. He'll find space. The other boys need to fucking wise up and start getting up to that standard. <laughs> <laughs> Is the WhatsApp one? <laughs> Jeez, that was a long message. Must have been sore from after typing that. It was a voice note. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there was one stage in the, I mean, it was in the second half where he, he points up the field and the camera can't even see what he's pointing at. And he just plays this absolutely outrageous ball over the top. And then you just realise that Ollie Watkins is running to get on to the end of it. And Ollie Watkins does incredibly well himself as well, but it was just the direction of it. It was like, you go there. I Trust me, I can play this pass. (laughs) And Ollie Watkins is like, all right, I guess I better go in. And the pass is absolutely out of this world. And that's just where Philippe is. Yeah, a couple of ones they teed up for Louise and McGinn at Days of Box, and they both just had tame shots. And you could tell he was like, fuck's sake, did you not see what I just did? Come on, like, I've put this on a plate for you. I've attract- he's done the Grealish thing where he's attracted three players to him, rolled it out, and uh, yeah, they made balls ups. But look, look, that's for the Rossenthal Award. Last WhatsApp one. Actually, Tom had the same thought as me. He said, when you have three players standing over a free kick, there's no point in all fucking three running over the ball. It's like someone, <laughs> someone has to kick it. <laughs> yeah, like I honestly don't think Dougie knows what what routine is being called. I mean, we we joked a few weeks ago that he's not invited to the training sessions, and we're gonna have to revisit that. I mean, he was like a fucking excited dog, like just just happy to be there. McGinn and Bundia run over the ball, and fucking Dougie comes bounding in. Well, what are we doing, guys? Running over the ball, is it? Oh, that, that looks like fun. Oh, you guys are the best. No, where are you going? You're the last one. You have to hit it. That's a bad doggy. <laughs> doggy, doggy Louise. Yeah, unbelievable. But like, there was another one as well. Like, who the fuck does this lad think he is? Someone needs to take his temperature. Sorry, a, a, a sports psychologist, a clinical psychologist needs to structure a thesis around him. There was one, like he scored a goal from three yards last week and he's making his 100th appearance tonight and all of a sudden he thinks he's going to go pinging free kicks in from absolutely preposterous angles. It's the corner of the box he tries to catch the keeper off and I know it's melee as well, so maybe it's worth a go, but it's Douglas Louise over the top of it, so it's not. <laughs> I know, by the way, continues nowhere to be seen there. Like, you know, get like If you're going to have a go, let him have the go. Well, exactly. Unbelievable. It started from the very first corner. Very like Ings won a corner straight away, and uh, brilliant touch, and did well to win it. Strong on the ball. Ings was good, <laughs> but uh, look at Dinya goes over, lines up the corner because this is a routine. Dougie comes over, covers his mouth. We don't know what he's saying. Dinya's confused. He doesn't know what he's saying. Dinya's <laughs> obviously saying to him, or seems to be. Um, but you know, remember what we worked on all week. <laughs> <laughs> Douglas Louise says, nah, don't worry, like I, I got this. Like that that's how it started, and then he just yeah, he grew in confidence from then. Maybe it was his hundredth appearance, and maybe look deserves a bit of credit for making a hundred appearances for Villa. Yeah, I actually think Dougie's whispering to Dinya before the corner. He's probably he's probably asking him what the rules are. Like how how do you take a corner? What what am I supposed to do here? I just run up and kick this, right? Lucas, where are you going? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, let's hand out the awards after this. We're going to start with the thoughts of the Villa podcast. Maybe it was just because I really didn't want to fucking lose to Leeds United. The lifting up of Patrick Bamford with one hand, I did enjoy that because Patrick Bamford is an unlikable character and he's probably been a bit of a twat to Tyrone Mings all game. He's nothing like that either, is he? He's a real. He's like if you. He's an uh, unlikable character. 
like one of you's put on a foot. Patrick Bamford can't skin you. It's, it's not. It's not. He's not that type of player. It's not any game. Somebody put on a foot there. I felt all the pain. I imagine I probably sound as much of a, a biased, one-eyed idiot. Block the fucking shot. It was a fucking disaster. I did quite enjoy the hopelessness of their their grief with it, though, as well. Because they're like, not that it fucking mattered anyway. Sure, we were beaten anyway. Not that it fucking mattered anyway. Villa was shite. Like, there's there's nothing but space. Leeds are going to be spanked a few times this season. Make no mistake about that. I mean, they're they're really well coached. They're really aggressive. They're really adventurous. But the players are shit. <laughs> the, the key line is that we're we're well coached. Um, and very aggressive, but our players are shit. They're not either. They're not shit. I mean, that was great. That did have everything. Only downside, those Brummy accents, though. Really (laughs) go through you, don't they? All right, let's start with the Rosenthal Award. A lot to go through. We talked, just talked about Douglas Louise and that corner routine telling Luca Dinha to fuck off. We were all interested, wondering what's going on. Obviously, he had a, a bit of a Brazilian routine plan. Like, they could have talked about this in training or in the changing room, but Dougie and Coutinho kept it to themselves. <laughs> and uh, lovely little chip, to be honest, to find Coutinho. I don't know why he was left on mark for that run that he made across the box. And Ah, he's missed the volley. He should have done better. It would have been an absolute screamer if he connects with a property, but uh, he's just mishit it. He has to connect with it at all. But just before that, there's an incredible ball out to Ings, and it's, it's so flat and so long, and Ings does does really well to win the corner. You talked about that just a second ago. The corner from Dougie actually is good, despite how much you give out about it. He's picked out his man, and his man fucks it up. Yeah. Matt Cash... The thing I was liking most about his performance early on is that he actually lifted a cross above head height and it didn't go to a Villa player, but I was like, oh, okay. okay. Like, you know, this is going the right direction. And then he does lift another one straight to Danny Ings' head. And yeah, it doesn't look like a big chance, but Ings could get over that a bit more. He just floated over the bar. Yeah, Ings is better than that, as it turned out the last couple of weeks. He needs to be getting his head over the top of that. Uh, the doggy free from the like Melier save like this is when I thought you know this might be a tight game and I I actually thought all week it was going to be a one nil match like you know but uh not not to be we don't really need to talk about that free really anymore John McGinn had a lovely right footed curler and uh, that was a genuinely good save from Melier um Coutinho just faked a shot like ah I I don't know how he fixed the way he does I could never pull it off like he's just wound up as if he's about to spank one that famous goal that we're waiting on continue into the top right corner and just it seems to be how high he lifts his hip and just pulls the ball back down so quickly and then he just lovely little flick to put John McGinn in the left hand side McGinn's just brave like the the aggression and his cut to get back onto his right foot and he has a lovely little curler just to the bottom corner but it's a it's a nice save from earlier yeah and I think that was the first thing that John McGinn did in that match. I think the ref had more touches than John McGinn in the first half an hour, and <laughs> but he did incredibly well to get the shot away, and it's it's a really good save. You had mentioned that ball from Coutinho, like such a good ball, and then like this is the one to Watkins on the right hand side, and Watkins is so strong. He gets past Struck, it comes along. It's not even on the end line because like, he's that strong and direct. He gets it gets in past him before he gets to the end line, and then he comes back. He comes back, like I think he's in on his left. Just just have the shot. You've done all the work. You've literally run from the halfway line down the wing, gone into the box, have the shot. He wants to come back on his right and he's blocked and you can tell how upset he is. He's done so well and he just gets blocked down. And then I think that's the continue. Yeah, continue brings the block down under so much pressure. It's just just ricocheted into the air from Struck. And then Coutinho just has this amazing touch at the edge of the box to tee up Dougie, who just has the shittest long shot. And it's like, we, we've, we've just been in. We have actually a man over, and then Dougie's just decided, this is my time. <laughs> and he bounces one into Melier. And that, that was one where I could see Coutinho frustrated, just like, what are you doing? Yeah, it's incredible from Philippe and Watkins again. And this, yeah, this, the shot from Dougie is so tame. And there's no point in going through all that effort if you're just going to end up with that. I mean... 
someone else have a shot or give it to Callum Chambers? Watkins, Dougie, Watkins, Coutinho, or Chambers? It has to be. You can't be rolling these out to Douglas Louise. <laughs> and then there were only two nominations, I think, that I can remember in the second half. I got the two goals, it didn't matter, and we were already in the leads. Um, Coutinho, just some nice footwork in the box under a lot of pressure. How often do we say that? But great link up play. We saw that threesome coming back into Coutinho, Watkins, Ings. It was the first time they really sort of linked up through the middle like they did against Southampton. Mm. Um, it was easier against Southampton, but especially because Leeds were trying to just sort of ward off against it. But um, And then he just he just tries this cheeky sort of little drop into the left corner. He hasn't connected with a property. He's trying to get the keeper off guard. And I think he has, but it's just not enough purchase on it. And the final nomination is when the year comes on, plays a lovely pass to Dinya. Tries to get it across. It bounces up. Seems to bounce up across the line. And I didn't see a replay of it. Watkins, did, did Watkins try to take a touch away from the goal? Did he try to arse in his uh, man instead of just bundling the ball? And he seemed to try to get it under control with his back to goal when he was two yards out. That was so bad. That there, mu- there must have been something to do with the camera angle. You know, sometimes you think the ball's dropping into the back post and you realise the ball's actually moving towards yes. the camera. Yeah. Something strange must have been happening there because it looks so weird. He could have done it and just throw yourself at the ball. Yeah. It looks like he's trying to take it on his knee or something and it goes up over his own head. It was a fucking mess. And it was so annoying for Bundia as well because it would have been a big impact for him to have on a game since he's been so unfairly but understandably dropped from the team as well. And he actually played quite well when he came on. The John McGinn or the Philip Coutinho back Kayla, he's ended up with a lot more time there than he realizes. And I think he's made a tit of himself trying that back heel. He could easily have just hit it into the net. It's it's, it's at his feet and the Leeds players are a mess. They've run out of the box nearly. Yeah, he's done he's done everything to get through all those players and he got through and then just tried something a bit too clever then. I don't want to say too clever. I sound like I'm a, a pure football man. I sound like I'm Paul Merson or Tim Sherwood on the <laughs> on the soccer Saturday panel. Um, I think the winner, even though he did all the great work, I think it's Watkins from the position that he got himself into. Well, I'm not even on about that last one because we'll, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt with the angle, but just from the run from Coutinho's ball, he he deserves all the praise for getting into that position. But then he was in that position and he cut back. We don't we don't want to come back. We don't want to revisit this cutback thing that everybody was trying out. <laughs> every um, just just spanked up your left. Just dude, what would Matt Cash do? What would what would Jacob Ramsey do? <laughs> what would Ollie Watkins normally do? Ollie Watkins has no problem spanking the ball on his left. It was such a strange decision. Yeah. Uh, Peter Enkelman, what the fuck award? Mr. Ollie Watkins, come forward for another award. Uh, I love you. Another good performance, I thought. Um, but yeah, lucky enough to stay on. Like studs are up on Alien, right? This is this is after actually Ings plays him a lovely back heel as well. In, like, just into the box and it's another bad turn from Watkins trying to get it on to his right just thinks he's got more time than he does and then it's just a a bad late tackle and it's on ailing as well just just let him clear it he's just clearing it don't worry he's, he's completely just overreacted to losing the ball from a, a half chance that Ing set up for him under pressure and he's come charging out no need to slide to try and block it anyway, and then no need to slide with your studs up, and no need to slide with your studs up into someone's foot. Ah, yeah, it's a, it's a disgusting tackle, and he knows he knows he's risking catching Alien there. I mean, he has to know that he's not an idiot. And sometimes I don't think he's a particularly dirty player, but he has a tendency to lose the cool a little bit, and it's never really cost us anything. It's never really bubbled over into big trouble. But for someone who's normally so calm on the ball. It doesn't really suit him. He just he just seems to. There's small little small things that can just flick a switch in his head, and he'll he'll be needlessly aggressive with the opposition. But maybe mm. that's something that's just in his game that helps. Maybe you need that. Maybe you need that. Be as good as always. Although Philip doesn't have it. Philip just plays ball. <laughs> uh, but you know, I'm saying I'm saying Ollie Watkins is winner. I don't know if he is the clear winner. Peter Eggman, what the fuck award? Leeds fans booing at halftime. <laughs> This is the thing I touched on at the start of the show. It's going to be very difficult for this lad to come in now because Marcello Bielsa was loved and Leeds were definitely getting relegated with Marcello Bielsa. But now <laughs> this guy is going to take all the blame for that. It's it's it's, it's like Remy Gard. It's just a pointless, pointless appointment that's just going to result in the inevitable anyway. 
Yeah, he, he, I, I liked his what the fuck fight. They were already 1-0 down, they hadn't played great, but Villa are going well, Villa are a better team, and they're definitely playing better as well. They have a new manager long since installed, and and like you know, he he replaced not a Marcelo Bielsa who was on the way to getting them relegated. He replaced Dean Smith, who was doing all right. Like and uh, it's um, this guy's and he's he literally played ninety minutes against Leicester and now forty five minutes. He's one nil down at home and they're being booed off. And he sort of had that look as if to say, "What the fuck is going on?" Like, I don't want to go into that entitlement uh, type of thing, but just a bit more realism of what's happening. And it is like if. Like, look, you've got this new guy in, like, you're, you're going to back him sort of thing, so it's going to take a bit longer to try and undo what he's had been doing for, what was it, four years under Marcelo Bielsa? Like, and that's that's an intense, very clear way of playing, like, a, a very distinct way of playing that's going to be completely different to probably every other manager, especially one who has to come in and make sure they don't concede 60 goals in 23 games or whatever it was. <laughs> Like that's that is his first. I don't want to make him sound like Sam Allardyce or Roy Hodgson, who is doing the hun near that, by the way. But um, but he does have to tighten up the defense, like first and foremost. That's that's the biggest problem with Leeds. Yeah, and it would almost be enough to make you want them to get relegated. But you know, Frank Lampard's manager of Everton. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, so you have Watkins. Like this is probably one of the most competitive Peter Lankman what the fuck awards. You have Watkins. You have Leeds fans booing at half time. And in the stands, you have Mark Viduka. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think someone needs to check Google's analytics. I would say at fucking quarter past eight last night, Mark Viduka, or tonight, Mark Viduka age was just behind Ukraine and Putin as a cunt or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's nice seeing these boys, you know, from that Leeds era, that Leeds team really... Uh... Yeah, like a, a really sort of fond memory. Everybody has like a fun team that they were as well, and it was always, like it was great having a team like that competing for Champions League places as well. But um, it's never as good then when you see these old act. Remember the Friends reunion, and you're looking at these boys and girls, and you're like, oh, what? Like you know, I just prefer not to see them. I prefer to just to remember them as they were in their prime. And uh, yeah, like there's Mark Viduka far away from the from the Mark Viduka that we all knew. Yeah, should he have eaten so heavily in the past? <laughs> Probably not, but he lived the dream, Conan. Yeah, that's something we all have to look forward to. The you like Glenn Whelan take a 90th minute penalty award, believe it or not. That is here, that category is here today. Um, <laughs> we need to talk about Ezra Konza. I wasn't, I wasn't happy, I'm not happy, I'm still not happy. We've won 3-0, we've had two clean sheets in a row without Ezra Konza, but I don't like this. I, I, I don't like this, and I can't put it any other way. I can't say, well, you know, Callum Chambers is uh, obviously a Brazilian number 10 in, in waiting, and <laughs> that's great. But, like, you know, let's, like, let's accommodate him. Let's play him number 10 if we have to. Let's let's play him left-sided centre-back. <laughs> Ezri Konza is our best defender. Like, let, let's start with that. He has been our most consistent defender for the last two years. It, it's It's just, like, no, look. He's come back from COVID. Maybe he's had bigger effects of it than than Luka Dinia. Like that, that could be a qualifier here. But if not, he's on the bench, so I assume he is fit. Let's start with Ezra Konza. He's come back into the team. I get that he's kept a clean sheet, but I don't. I don't like keeping him out for the sake of for the sake of just keeping the same defensive partnership that happened to get a clean sheet against a really bad Southampton team. Because we all saw the Newcastle and the Watford games, and they were not good. And um, yeah, like I, I, I just think Konza needs to be dropped in there. Otherwise, something will happen. Like we're playing West Ham next; it's a better opposition. We're going to go with the same defensive partnership. Not saying that they're going to have bad games, and like I'm not saying that they deserve to be dropped. But I'm saying that Ezri Konza does not deserve to be dropped either because he got COVID. Yeah, but like we have to assume he's not a hundred percent fit. I mean, I certainly have to assume it because I can't face into a world that has the Aston Villa manager objectively assessing cons and Chambers and picking Chambers. But the other way to look at this is, I mean, Callum Chambers has just absolutely spanked one into the top corner. The only thing Conza has ever done is spank one off to Romings' arse into the top corner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And look, look, we have always complained that Conza needs to add more majors to his games because he had a lot of the opportunities and... uh 
Callum Chambers has laid down the gauntlet for that. Like, you know, I, I can produce majors, but I can do them in a way that you've never thought possible. <laughs> uh, second nomination. <laughs> Keep the two strikers on. You know, 20 minutes to go. Leads are done. We're 2 up and we're playing well. I actually don't think it we needed to take Danny Ings off. Ah, like, this is, we kept, we kept playing well, so like, this is a bit pointless, really. But I would have liked to have seen the two strikers stay on. No, we didn't have any on the bench either. Ah, look, this this is nonsense, really, isn't it? <laughs> the other way, like, it, you could be negative about it and assume that he's just trying to see out a game, which I don't like. He's see out the game, but is continuing to beat the team he's been battering for the last couple of, for the last hour. You can, I think it's an easier way to see out the game. You could also think about it, the game's finished, so why not get the team used to playing in different ways that they're going to have to develop and going to have to learn to play throughout the season against better opposition in games that they will actually have to see out. So let's give them the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> uh, you let... Sorry, not the you let Glenn Whelan. The Tim Sherwood, we play two number 10s and bamboozled them award. Villa are playing out from the back now a lot. We were sceptical at first when Gerrard was coming in. He was a new manager coming into a new team trying to arrest a bit of a slide as well. But um, yeah, they, they're really starting to get it now, like, aren't they? They're playing through the lines a lot more. <laughs> we had so many complaints of why you're not just looking up and passing to these midfielders who want the ball. And they're all good on the ball. And they're connecting those lines now so much better. It's It's really... It's really great to see, and it's it's actually you have a lot of confidence now going into matches. Just feels like we've got way more control than we did a few months back. Yeah, the, the, the defenders are playing the ball into their midfielders, which is absolutely basic stuff. But the midfielders are also playing the balls to all their midfielders because they are stringing those lines together. Jacob Ramsey is getting in front of Douglas Louise. He's not just hanging out beside Matt Target as yeah. it was at the time. You know, there's. There's a much better shape and pattern to the team, and it's it's clear it's what they're trying to do: get the ball forward and get it through the midfielders who are all fucking brilliant on the ball. Speaking of Matt Target, the Ron Saunders, do you want to bet against us? Quote of the week. Now, <laughs> I can't just narrow this down to one quote because when Emmy Martinez sits down for an hour-long interview, <laughs> you are going to find a lot of gold in there. And uh, Ben Foster was the lucky interviewer so he, he's done a lot of stuff on youtube now ben foster and he goes along to emmy martinez's house just a great fella like a wonderful mind that we'll never be able to fully figure out which is great <laughs> um and yeah just just seems like a nice lad as well like it seems like he loves football loves villa takes it so seriously he talks about these he seems to hire these psychologists for hours upon hours just to sit with him and chat to him um <laughs> like you're talking about for example after the copa america semi-final going into the final he was like you know i was the calmest person on the pitch because i just had i had the psychologist straight after the semi-final and we were just we were just spending so much time together just like chatting trying to bring myself back down and like it like, obviously he's a winner as well the fact that he was able to get that like he got them through to that final and realized we haven't won love that when emmy martin is but so much quotes to pick out the first one talking about matt target he was discussing the idea of players who played well without fans and then they went into the shell and hid when the fans came back. He said he saw it and he said, he didn't name any players, he said he's seen it with young lads and he's seen it with players in the team and he said, now I'm looking going, oh, you're not looking for the ball anymore? You're not going forward as much anymore? Hmm. And that's, like, who are you thinking when you hear that? It's, it's, it's obviously it's got got to be Matty Cash, yeah. Matt Cash, my target, my target. Sorry, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, obviously, yeah. Like Emmy Martinez might as well have just said, like, we'll call them Matty T because I don't want to give anything away. <laughs> but there were certain players in the team last year who are no longer there. Yeah, who On played the to my left. <laughs> uh, yeah, he had so much more in this thing. Like one one line, he said. For me, taking a cross is like a save. I know you'd like that one. I fucking do, yeah. And that's all he had to do tonight. But he just gobbles them up. He fucking absolutely... And we talked about this before. He's brought it back into vogue, actually catching the ball. And this was the first thing I noticed about him whenever we signed him two years ago was the fact that he'd caught everything. Shots and crosses. 
Like there was yeah. no palming the ball out, no punching the ball out, no getting two fists behind it for a shot. Everything was just sticking to his gloves. Yeah, incredible. Yeah, he. <laughs> I know I shouldn't be. It's like it's like comparing. Frank Lampard to Stephen Gerrard. I know I shouldn't be comparing Ben Foster with Emmy Martin. <laughs> in fairness to Ben Foster, he doesn't want to make those comparisons either. In fact, he's actually going so far out of his way to do that. Like you're, you're watching him now. I know he's the interviewer as well, but you're watching the two of them talking, and you're like, oh, dude, it doesn't seem like it's two top level goalkeepers. Well, it's not two top level goalkeepers uh, having a chat, and Emmy Martin is just talking about the. You know, the targets he sets, the work he puts in. Like there was one example. He was able to just reel off. I've conceded 34 goals this season. 14 of them have come from deflections. So he was talking to the team and they they bought these like deflection nets for him that sit six yards out from his nets when he's actually training. So he's just reacting to all these balls in that they can't prepare for normally. So he's just getting so much more practice with trying to stop deflections. Um, and then he's talking about all these goals that he said he opens his locker and he has this sort of it's all written out and he's got these check boxes beside him that he wants to tick off as he goes along. And, <laughs> you know, and it is simple things like catching crosses and pass completion, which I know you might raise an eyebrow with. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> clean sheets, like everything really. And then Ben Foster's like, oh, mate, like, you know, I, I am nothing. Like, I just come in, I've got a smile on my face. That that does me, mate. It doesn't do your fucking manager. You're giving Roy Hodgson heart attacks there. What the fuck are you playing up in? All I'm hearing whenever you're saying this is just me thinking, Jesus, it's almost it's almost like you have to work hard to be the best in the world at what you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah a, couple, a couple of final things from that interview. And like, yeah, check it out. It's on YouTube, Ben Foster with uh, Emmy Martin, as you'll find it easy enough. But he said, he said, We've got Phil on loan with an option to buy. It's just great hearing Emmy Martin is talking like a Twitter fan. Uh, with an option to buy. So we're trying to make him feel as comfortable as possible. <laughs> yes, Emmy. Yes, talks about the four of them going bowling, the four South Americans every week. Said Coutinho lives four or five minutes down the road from him. Um, and he, the reason I'm talking about the playing out from the back as well, it's fresh in my mind. That's why it's, it's won the Tim Sherwood Award this week, is because... Philip Coutinho talks to Emmy Martinez about Villa as well. Like, and he talks about how much he's loving it, and he talks about how much he loves it. Stephen Gerrard wants to play it from the back as well. Yeah, that's incredible. And uh, like I said, and like we said before as well, if you've got these players, if you've got players that are as good as those to not play the ball into our midfield, it was just so criminal that we weren't doing it. And now that we've got little Philip, we've got Philip Coutinho oh, at the tip of our diamond. <laughs> uh, and the last one is just Emmy Martinus and I want to win something for this club after everything they've been through <laughs> and he's even just talking about the inconsistency and stuff as well the player turnover obviously getting relegated and stuff like that so yeah he's just a, he's just a top lad and that's why he's also going up on the Vimin meter um, yeah like he's he's missed one game this season because of uh, oh, because they had to go to was it Croatia or something when they were coming back from those South American games remember they weren't allowed to come back after being in Argentina or Brazil mm. or whatever it was um, but he's got nine clean sheets already again and this hasn't been the same sort of season as last season where everything was just so controlled from Villa especially the start of it and fence was so strong but he's suddenly got nine clean sheets again after getting 15 last year nine and 26 games he's still got another 11 league matches left and I have to remember, I know he equaled the record, Brad Friedel's record from that strong Villa team in 2010 um, last year. But the second most clean sheet for Villa before that was Mark Bosnich, who's obviously Mark Bosnich, and it was 12. Emmy Martinez is probably, hopefully, going to go past that again this season. And uh, yeah, and, and like, it, it's good as well that, that Gerrard's obviously sort of really sort of going after as well. And he demands, like, he demands standards of people. Martinez said, the first thing Gerard said to him, he came back from South America the day before they played Brighton, Gerard's first game. Gerard came over and said, Hey, big man, welcome back. Need a clean sheet from me tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and sure, to the time he cocked up against Man United, he was over talking to the manager. United Villa had just had an incredible comeback. They scored two goals in the last 10 minutes, and Emmy Martin is just over saying to the manager, Sorry, Gaffer. Yeah, incredible, incredible. It was it was ninety minutes ago as well. Yeah, and they signed a new contract ninety minutes later. <laughs> uh, going up, continue. Yeah, like we got Philip continue playing at the tip of the diamond is the best way of putting it. Um, but 
a very vimin reason for going up the I could never hate you philosophy of this could you call it an award category was called a meter continue tidies up at left back I don't know if you remember this mm. I think it was a corner maybe a free kick on the right hand side John McGinn tries to first time it back out to that right hand side but he completely mishits it and then proceeds to dive and then <laughs> Douglas Louise comes to the rescue tries to shield the ball lets it roll on to uh, who were we playing tonight tries to Leeds Leeds tries to, tries to like lets it roll on to a Leeds player proceeds to dive and Philip Coutinho <laughs> comes charging back to left back, wins the ball and carries it forward. Yeah, it was incredible. Douglas Louise tried to do John McGinn arse, forgetting that John McGinn normally has control of the ball when he's doing it. <laughs> but uh yeah, and this Gerard was talking about Philip Coutinho um coming back into full fitness, and I think you can really see that the last two games, just from his effort. So not not even his effort in defending, but from his ability to get back because his legs were obviously going. He wasn't as able to drop into spaces. He wasn't as eager to because when you don't have the fitness in your legs, you can't do it. And the last two games, he's been fucking all over the pitch. It's great to see. Yeah, going up. We'll say Emmy Martin is where we're on it. We already said Emmy Martin is going up. <laughs> going up. Uh, Callum Chambers, obviously. Matt Cash, obviously. John McGinn, I'm going to put up because... Mentioned those 20 minutes at the start of the second half, or Villa were under pressure, and you're wondering, like, are they going to get out of this, or is this going to be 45 minutes of trying to just see this out, and Martinez getting the yellow card and all the rest that we've seen before. But I think after 15 minutes of that pressure, McGinn really did just ramp up the intensity, and he did that for just five, six, seven solid minutes of hard work and biting. I was thinking, it's, it's exactly what... United or missing. Remember, like after that, the analysis after United City game and that that famous thing, the City had ninety two percent possession for those fifteen minutes when they were United were three one down, which is strange. It is City though, is is the caveat. But they did just need someone like McGinn, just fucking charging in, win the ball, making a foul. Don't want to sound like Danny Murphy on Talksport. Don't worry, we're not talking about Talksport today. But like they did just need something and I think McGinn brought that something that you always hear these pros talking about and it was just a clear dragon of Villa out of that situation I thought yeah and the first decent thing that Villa did in the second half as well was John McGinn having a shot uh, like he, he started the game per- so he didn't start the game per- he just wasn't in the game Villa didn't yeah. have any control to start of the game and you'd want that with your midfielders particularly ones who can play the ball as well as John McGinn and then he just grew into it and you got the constant effort that you always get from John McGinn and we could easily rename the Vima meter the McGinn meter. Yeah, yeah. Going up, Danny Ings. Yeah, Danny Ings is brilliant. Quality on the ball. He was involved in all the goals. He was he was had an incredible game, and he's he's becoming the player that we were excited about whenever we signed him out of absolutely fucking nothing. Yeah, yeah, and he's even having a volley from twenty five yards now as well, and we're forgiving him for it. Yeah, we want to see if you are a bit less of that, but. Uh... <laughs> Good game. <laughs> Questions we can't answer, but probably will. Let's stick with Villa for now. Can we really sign Philip Coutinho? <laughs> Emmy tells me we have the option to buy. <laughs> but but uh, all the Spanish reports tell me that Philip Coutinho is on 430 grand a week at Barcelona. Yeah, that might make the option a bit less appealing to the owners. <laughs> I'm sure that would have to be negotiated with Philip Coutinho. But the other thing to remember is, if indeed he ha- is on that, then he's been earning twenty million for the last four years. <laughs> yeah, and there is the whole, you know, the, there is a reality that nobody he's starting at a very high base there. You know, so whatever his salary would be is going to be high, no matter how much he comes down. If he halves his wages, it's probably too high. But nobody's going to pay that or anywhere near that anyway. So like that is the reality he faces. Like absolutely nobody will pay those wages. A reason Barcelona or the situation they're in, they're not going to pay it anymore. <laughs> There's a reason they put them out on loan so they don't have to pay it all. Um, yeah. So, so like wherever he went, he goes to next. Like not even went to hypothetically. Wherever he goes to next, he will be on considerably reduced wages. You're right. He hoped that he's put some of that twenty million a year aside um, <laughs> a, a, along the way. But like Villa could probably compete 
we all know about the, the Dania story and how much money he's getting after like coming from Everton. We know how much or Jack Grealish told us how much that they were paying him, not, not specific numbers, but he said it was a lot of money. And then apparently they tried to up it again and the reports were that they offered him more than City offered him. So Villa can compete competitively for wages. It's just, yeah, realistically can they? And I think if Coutinho was coming back into real life, non-Barcelona world, Villa probably could realistically compete for that, especially if he's going for 30 million. Yeah, like I don't, I don't think there's any doubt about the fact that we can and would be willing to pay his wages. The big risk, of course, is that everybody in the world thinks, "Oh, Jesus, yeah." There's a liver. There's a reason why Liverpool sold continue for 142 million. It's because he's absolutely fucking class. And if everyone just wakes up to that reality again, then we might have different problems in trying to get Philip Coutinho. Uh Last one question we can't answer, but probably will. How can a mentality really fester through a club like PSG for years. It's, it's like Arsenal, isn't it? It's like, <laughs> how, how can a club be a bobble job no matter how much players come in the door, how many times they change their manager? Is this Pochettino's fault or is this just what happens to PSG? Yeah, it's always upsetting to see a team assembled in the blood of thousands of dead migrants not reach their potential. <laughs> the, the other way to feel about that share of human rights abuse and scumbags is that their sports washing and financial doping precipitated a series of events that led to Liverpool winning the Champions League and Premier League and Aston Villa having Philip Coutinho as the sparkling tip of our diamond. (laughs) Pochettino isn't helped by having Messi wandering around looking about his interest as a basset hound at an audit and assurance lecture. But it's still Lionel Messi. I mean... You have to pick him, so how are you going to use him? And if you use him, well, he's, he's pretty handy. Like you know, it's just figure out what you're going to do with him because you have to do something. And even with the greatest player of all time stinking up the place, PSG still have a ridiculous squad. And the first eleven they put out last night is out of this world. But one mistake, one howler from the keeper, who was probably fouled to be fair, and they fucking crumbled like a digestive in a cup of tea. <laughs> The reality is, this is an average Real Madrid team from their glory days of five or six years ago. They've gone from having peak Marcelo, Cruz, Modric, Ronaldo and Bale to having a shite centre-half at left-back. Cruz and Modric, five or six years past their peak. Vinicius Jr., who plays like a fucking donkey trying to run across a yoga ball. And the aptly named Asensio. Other than Benzema, Danny Carvajal is their only constant from that team. I think last night was the first time I saw him and he didn't give away a penalty. (laughs) Pochettino does have some serious questions to answer. I think to take over from PSG with 20 games left and not win the title was pathetic. I don't care how far they were behind. They weren't that far behind, by the way. And you you, you can't be losing four out of 20 Ligue 1 games. That's, That's ridiculous. And then the competition that actually matters to them, Man City spanked them last year, and then Kareem Benzema beat him on his own last night. So, so there is that question around because everything you're talking about, what PSG have there, they also had a two 0 lead, and there's no away goals, and like, but they they were very comfortably in charge of that tie. Real Madrid were just playing the way you expected that team to play, and you were looking at it thinking. Per Carlo, like there's nothing he can do. Like look, look, look at what he's working with here at the minute, and one dally on the ball from the keeper, like yeah, just just undoes everything. Complete panic, and it's all the Pochettino wants to talk about after that that injustice. Even with that injustice, they were still two one up, mm-hmm. and, then, and then they concede another goal. Even then, they're still not going out. They're still not going out. It's still two two. Like they can still re regroup they can still hold on to the 2-2 and they don't they collapse a fucking shambles at the back again and like <laughs> brilliant opportunism from from Benzema but then even then if they've got they've got all those players you're talking about they've got the best attackers on the planet to just go and try and get another goal against this terrible Real Madrid backline and Real Madrid side but yeah they, they just continue to let fictitious junior run riot <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well run riot up until a certain point, it was a very Ada McGeady-esque performance from him, wasn't it? It was like so exciting, so lively, 
so constant, like he was so prevalent in the match and then just didn't deliver the final ball. That was probably the most impressive thing about Benzema, that he did all this with with him beside him, doing his best to fuck it all up. But uh, two, two of the goals came from Vinny losing the fucking ball. Yeah. <laughs> they blind alleys, no one knowing where the ball is, and it's just popping out to Benzema, goal. <laughs> Yeah, so maybe there is some method in his absolute madness um, like it just causes consternation but the, the question I suppose I want to ask or want answered is like does this does this sour Pochettino's reputation a little bit like I, I know it's a it's, I don't even want to say tough job I, I know it comes with a lot of uh, irregularities like you're talking about Messi you have to play Messi Neymar and Mbappe you know, but also like you know, cry me a fucking oh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you know, like he did, he did a really good job at Spurs after a really solid job at Southampton. Showed that he could sort of build progressively in two jobs in a row and like do the best that anybody's ever done with Spurs that I can remember in my lifetime. And now he's uh, like, uh, is he one of the most? Should he be one of the most sought after managers? As opposed to what I'm asking. Well, like he's, he still has to be considered in the upper echelons, even though he is still yet to win anything. <laughs> no, yeah. and he probably will win league on this year. But really, re- I, like I really started having questions. Like I still obviously like Pochettino, love the job they did at Spurs, love how he sets up his teams. Apart from in these game, this game against Real Madrid, where he seemed to be relying on the fact that Kylian Mbappe is rapid. Yeah. But to not like honestly to not win league on before half the season left is is pathetic. It really is with the team that he was capable of putting out. Yeah. Well, all I'll say finally on it is that Thomas Tuchel will probably be available very soon as well, given what's happening at Chelsea at the minute. Um, so anybody out there looking for a manager? There's, <laughs> <laughs> there's a few there's a few coming up on the market. Uh, take your time. Make the right decision. Uh, and that's it. Aston Villa are doing pretty well with their manager right now. We're happy with our lot. What a night that was. Like just imagine imagine the thought of that just going away to Leeds and winning three 0 That is just brilliant because for some reason there's just some nervousness around that tie. And uh yeah, Villa's got the job done so emphatically and we move on. Three wins in a row. Enjoy it. I guess three days now until the next game, so uh, at least we can enjoy it for a little bit and enjoy the podcast being out in time this time. Um we'll see you on Sunday. All the best. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.